My name is Kalachi, and I'm the best. All the DJs love to feel my. Welcome back to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Sorry, I was just testing the mic. It's important to test the mic um, in that way. My name is Kelechi Aza. I am the host of this podcast, your weekly dose of politics, pop culture, real shit, trash talking, opinions, musings, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Cake and Kombucha is just, it's those things. That's what it encompasses. The kombucha part is your probiotic elixir. It's the things that we got to get off our chest, ideas to explore, serious things that are going on in the world. And the cake part is fun. It's pop culture. It's reality TV, silliness. It's a good time. So thank you so much for everyone who's been on this journey with me so far. If you have not hit that subscribe button, I don't know why you're lurking and being a creeper. It's, it's There's an easier way to get content delivered to your phone without you having to look for it. Just press subscribe. Just press subscribe, friend. That's all you got to do. Press subscribe. And please rate and review and let me know what you like. Let me know what you want to hear more of. You can also reach me at Kelezier, which is a portmanteau. So it's my first name and last name put together. My name is Kelechi Aza, but my handle on Twitter and Instagram is at K-E-L-E-Z-I-E. Get it? Kelezier. And you can also email me at cakeandkombucha at gmail.com. All right. So well, there's so many things that happened this week. And the show was a little late because I was putting together something else special for you, which I guess I will introduce now. So I've been saying for a while that I wanted to do something a little bit different, do some more content in a kind of different way. And I'm going to be releasing videos on my YouTube channel. This is going to be Lipstick and Politics. It's the offshoot of Cake and Kombucha. I just like putting titles together. I feel like if there was a job where I could just generate titles to things all day, I would be very happy. So that is to say, perhaps that name will stay, perhaps it won't, perhaps I'll just call it Cake and Kombucha. I'm not sure, but I'm going to put the link information for you, and you'll be able to find it quite easily. And this week on that show that I have just created. I tested some lipsticks. I tried out some items from bitebeauty.com. And I don't know why I said .com. I mean, they have a website. It just combines things I love, like makeup, talking shit. And we discussed the town hall that CNN had, and then we discussed the horrendous review of that town hall that happened on the Tucker Carlson show. So if you're interested, part one and part two of those videos will be coming out later this week. But I'm going to put together the audio for you so you can just get a snippet of that conversation towards the end of the podcast. I'm going to edit out the parts where I'm doing stuff that you can't see because how does that help you? You keep listening to me trying on lipstick. That's weird. But you're going to get to hear what the conversation was. And hopefully for those of you who like makeup or even if you don't, you'll just get, you know, I watch people doing a lot of weird stuff on YouTube and it can be soothing and I can't even explain why. So I'm not even going to go into what some of those things are. I'm just going to give you a clue that it might involve, let's just say, skin problems. They can be interesting. That's all I'm saying. I'm a student of life. A field biological researcher of the YouTube. Okay. So there's an abundance of stuff to talk about. Let's jump into this news that broke this morning. Hunter Biden steps down from Chinese board and bid to fight back against Trump accusations. I can already tell you from the title that I don't think that's the right way to fight back. But here we go. Um, Hunter Biden has stepped down from his post on the board of a Chinese-backed private equity company in the midst of President Trump's allegations of corruption in China and Ukraine. Even this is confusing to me, to be honest. And you know that I read this stuff to come and talk about it once a week. Like, I thought that the company that he was getting $50,000 a month from or whatever was in Ukraine. Here we go. Biden, uh, who's 49, he will resign at the end of the month from the board of BHR Shanghai Equity Investment Fund Management Company. Well, damn, you put an acronym in there and then you added five other words to your title. That's not efficient. This is a company backed by several Chinese state-owned companies uh, his foreign business interests, 
are blah, blah, blah. We know they're the center of this scandal. Okay, so Trump's claim is that Biden made $1.5 billion in China for the firm after he flew to China in December 2013 when his father, Air Force One, blah, blah, blah. Not necessary. Basically, he started working there in 2013. That's what you need to know. And um, he has denied playing a role in forming the company or having equity in it while his father was in an office and insists the board position was unpaid. And he's also said that if his father is elected in 2020, he will forego all foreign work. Well, that's interesting because that's more than what's happening right now. I'm kind of unclear, not to sound like a Republican, but what is the scandal here? Like, they, y'all think the transcript is okay, and I'm like, I don't really see what's not allowed in this. Um, they Okay, they're claiming Hunter Biden made millions of dollars from China while Joe Biden was vice president, okay? Doesn't Ivanka Trump's, don't her peacoats, uh, like, make lots of money for China while her father's still president? I'm confused. Blah, 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 blah. He's denied wrongdoing in Ukraine. This is boring. I just don't think that you should let a reality TV star who became a president bully you out of a job that you may or may not be qualified for. You won't be the first, you know, you won't be the first white dude with a powerful father that is an executive of some kind, and you won't be the last. And guess what you don't learn what's how to do in school? Be an executive. You just kind of get promoted to do shit by your friends and peers. And then you, I mean, yeah, business school is a thing that happens, but a lot of these people didn't even do that. Like this guy's a lawyer that doesn't necessarily translate into just raising billions of dollars or whatever, you know, lawyer, like what I'm saying is it's all very, like once you're in these circles, you just get to do stuff. And I think it's kind of funny for Trump to like be like, your kids can make millions of dollars and have positions they don't deserve. Only mine can. I'm going to make you the prince of, you know, HUD. And I'm going to make you like, what are the, exactly his kids and in-laws and, and in, inbreds and what, what are they doing? They all have little titles. It's wild. It's like an oligarchy, and we don't really talk about it enough. I mean, we just there's so many things that we started to accept that if you would backtrack a little bit are kind of hilarious. So I I don't uh, I'm not I, I'm torn. I'm not saying I want you know two wrongs don't make a right, and I don't think that Democrats should just be like, well, we're gonna make sure that we do stuff that's equally shady to you and not check ourselves. You know, because you've set the bar really low. I'm not saying that that's right, but sometimes it does seem like we do things to make ourselves seem morally pure that are not strategically just, you know, they're not strategic, they're not strategically creating an impression of strength. That's what I will say. And if Biden didn't do anything wrong, Biden Jr., I kind of wish he'd just keep doing whatever he's doing. Like, like I said, like, do, did he perhaps get a job? He's not, you know, I don't know how he got this job or whatever, but like, if he got it honestly and it's not illegal, then stay in it. The president tweets shit about everybody. He's in a fight with like ex Victoria's secret models and stuff like that. It's, it's, you don't need to back down because of this. And I don't know. It, I don't think it looks great. That was my impression. Just. Right off the bat, I am trying to read things kind of a little bit more in real time and synthesize it and just shoot off my first impression. Maybe that will make me sound like a clown, but I don't know. My first impression and my and my little spidey senses, my feminine mystique instinct was just like, ugh. stand firm in your job. Just stand firm in your job if you don't do anything wrong. So I was staring at my microphone trying to figure out how it was recording with the red light off. Just a mystery of science. I told you I have an amateur uh, scientific explorer. So the answer is it wasn't, and that is why you hopefully will hear improved sound quality from here on out. But not recording those previous sections over again. Sorry, I can't do it. So I apologize in the change, although now that I gave you something subpar, you have something better par to look forward to for the rest of the show. And um, it's just kind of funny because... You would think after doing something a certain amount of times, you would understand things like that. And it was also funny because 
I honestly didn't know that I could record without a microphone. Like, I guess you could just record with your internal speakers that come with your computer. But that seems, that's just interesting. I didn't know that. I really thought you had to be like directly inputting it into. Anyway, um, enough of that. So, okay, there was a book burning in, I'm going to say Georgia. Could have been some other southern state. No, it was Georgia. Okay, so this was at... Uh, Georgia University at age. Why wouldn't they say what university is? Oh, Georgia Southern University campus in Statesboro. So a speaker came to talk about her book. Uh, her name is Capo Cruset, and she has a book called Make Your Home Among Strangers, which was about her experience in college as a, at, a, at a mostly white college as a Puerto Rican woman. And she was invited to give a talk on issues concerning diversity and the college experience. One that expanded on the themes in her book. As you can imagine, I mean, you could infer by the fact that I'm reporting about it here or just from the fact that it's 2019 and we're moving exponentially backwards as a society that this was not, uh, this didn't go over well, but it probably went over worse than you might have expected. So students were incensed that she brought up things like white privilege Um, they yelled back and forth at each other at this event. Uh, someone raised her hand and said like, how dare you come here and talk about privilege when you're supposed to be talking about diversity? You're discussing like white privileges. Don't put an S on a bitch. Like you don't know what it means. Like you're, it's too late to pretend like you're dumb. College students grew up with the whole ass internet at this point. You can't pretend like you don't understand what social justice concepts mean this is not believable or just I don't know anyway they were like how can you talk about stuff like that here you're supposed to be promoting diversity rare and she basically dragged them back and was like the fact that you would even you know ask me a question like that is you know an instance of white privilege right now um Oh, yeah. No, the exact question was, I noticed that you made a lot of generalizations about the majority of white people being privileged. That's like, I'm sorry, but that's like saying that it's a generalization to say that the majority of people that have two functioning legs have some walking advantage over amputees. Not everything can be controversial. It just can't be controversial. Like, if you don't like being white, trade it in for a new model, but... You, you're really going to cry about the fact that you, that white privilege exists. Like it is, it is, it's supposed to be more upsetting to you that white privilege exists and you have it than that it exists and we don't have it. I can't, I can't hold any more hands to this anymore. It's getting exhausting. It's getting so tiring. Like, do we really have 400 years of slavery to now have to like listen to people cry about these things? It's, it's not, oh, it's so tiring. Oh, child. Anyway. So she said, uh, I don't understand what the purpose of this was. I mean, it sounds like you do, but you have, you have an agenda. We are supposed to be promoting diversity on this campus, which is what we're taught. Well, bitch, what do you think diversity means? Do you think it means like different color Skittles just being there for you to look at? Or do you think it means people actually having some sort of similar college experience in terms of feeling accepted, feeling welcomed, feeling like their voices are heard, feeling like the curriculum is attuned to things that is, you know, reflects their experience and isn't racist nonsense. Um, I mean, diverse, the buzzwords that the le- the right picks up on, like diversity and tolerance. I wish the word tolerance, A, I didn't like the word tolerance when I was a kid. I was like, you're not going to fucking tolerate me. You're going to love my ass, but you ain't going to tolerate it. Tolerating is how I feel about the mosquitoes in my backyard. So again, I'm totally fine with just divorcing the idea of tolerance from, uh, from liberals. Like I, I'll give the word back and then we don't have to ever have this conversation again. So no, I don't want to tolerate anything. Don't tolerate me. I won't tolerate your bullshit. I mean, is that better? So anyway, uh, basically it ended in a book burning. Yep. All my editorializing. Sorry, I got a little bit off track, but the point of this story was that these hoes burned this woman's book outside of her hotel room. She had to be moved to another location for safety. And then the next university that she was supposed to speak at, 
uh, which was also somewhere else in Georgia, told them, told her that because of open carry laws, it was not safe for her to do her reading there. When the administration has to tell a speaker, hey, our our white supremacist clan member descended students or card carrying members might shoot you so you can't do your reading from your book about being a minority i mean wow who's is anyone embarrassed i'm embarrassed and it's not my fault who else is embarrassed are the administrators embarrassed you had to tell a speaker you couldn't keep her safe because of open carry laws. Like the intersections of American fuckery in that, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. So anyway, if you want to see video of these kids burning books, like it's a science fiction novel, uh, like it's, what was that, night Fahrenheit 451 or some shit, like please look it up. The author's name is Capo Crusette. Uh, her book is called Make Your Home Amongst Strangers. It should be called Make Your Home Amongst Wild Banshees because these people were out of control. All right. See for yourselves. I got nothing else to say. We burning books out here, y'all. Okay, to lighten the mood a little bit, we will talk about... A too little, too late apology from T.I. Uh, this week, Mr. Tip Harris told The Root that he was, quote, still actively looking for another female rapper who can undo the blunder of Iggy Azalea. Let's pay attention to the phrasing of that. Still actively looking for another female rapper who can undo the blunder of Iggy Azalea. That is the tarnish of my legacy as far as being a music executive is concerned. He's really struggling. You, you, maybe you tip, you mean that tarnished your legacy. Uh, he said to me, this is like when Michael Jordan went to play baseball. It's just so interesting that even you're trying to give some sort of apology for the cultural appropriation soup of a mess that you sent here to the United States in the form of Iggy Azalea and yet you still can't even take ownership. He said he's looking for another female rapper to undo the blunder. First of all, the fact that you just like can't look at female rappers as artists, you look at them as little packages of booties and breasts and whatever, you know, so you're looking for another like female sex symbol that you can replace Iggy Azalea with. Iggy Azalea as a person is not a blunder. You are the blunder. You did what all these other execs do and you go and try to find literally to Australia to find a white person that imitates black Southern rapping. That's weird. Like, that's just a weird thing. She never should have been rapping in a fake voice if she, unless she was trying to be like a, um, what's that funny dude that has the rap about saving money or something like something like that. And even that is a little bit. There's also tones in that. What's his name? Dave or something. There's even parts that are uncomfortable in that. Like, look, all the other rappers talk about, you know, fuck shit, but I'm white. I rap about saving money and being responsible. It's ironic. I'm so corny. Like, we always have to be careful to examine those little, I'm making fun of myself, but I'm really patting myself on the back with positive stereotype type things. But still, you got to make it your comedy gimmick or something. We, she should have been like Australian Weird Al, but there's just no way that she ever should have been presented genuinely. And that's your fault because you idolize whiteness, T.I., and you thought it was marketable and you decided that it's better to have a white woman with a fake butt rapping in a black Southern voice than to go to Atlanta and find a real black woman or like one of the, all these fantastic black female rappers that are on the come up right now, which I'm so glad that this is like a time that that's happening. So... It's not her fault. I don't really blame her. I mean, I do blame her, but I blame you more because you gave her the platform to 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 be here. And then after that, she became, I don't know what she became. She probably is what she always was. She's a messy, defensive, insecure artist like we're all, most artists are insecure, um, very defensive, probably confused her racial understanding of the world is very simple-minded and she thought she had your endorsement 
as a hip hop artist. So she did not understand when other people were like, no, we don't like you saying those things. Oh, but what? But like the one other black guy said I could. I mean, it's a, it's a dilemma, you know, it's a dilemma. So apparently, allegedly their, their, uh, their real relationship went off the rails. He said that cause Q-Tip tried to like come at her on Twitter and was like, look, here's some things you don't understand about hip hop contextually and try to, you know, elucidate why people might have an issue with her and explain some of the appropriation stuff. And she was super defensive. She said something like, I don't need somebody to play hip hop squares with me, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And T.I. said he was mad about that. I don't really think that's what he was mad about. I really just think he's mad that she wasn't making the hits that she was anymore because I, I guarantee you that if she was still making a lot of money, he would not care. He would consider it a success because that's why you did it. You did it for money. You didn't do it to have, you know, historical neighborhood of from Brooklyn and the Bronx or, or from, you know, Atlanta authenticity. Like you didn't do it for any other reason except making money. You, you weren't like, Hey, there's just a dearth of, Australian rappers that rap in fake black voices and they really need to be represented right now that so you weren't trying to do anything but just make money so it's it stands to reason that if she was still making money you wouldn't be mad um he he, so yeah he said that like she didn't handle it the right way and she was like disrespectful I'm sure she was disrespectful but honestly if you're going to be captain save an appropriation hoe then you should have taught her at least some party line talking points for how to pretend like it's okay what she's doing. Like you didn't even prepare her to have an answer for why do you exist, sis? Like what are you doing here? You should have helped her come up with something to say. That's your responsibility. You set her up for failure. And then uh, Azalea tweeted back, but she, uh, let me not say Azalea like her last name because then it sounds like I'm talking about Azalea Banks and Twitter, which you always know is going to be a mess, but she tweeted back and I'm sorry. She often says like funny things to be honest. She's just one of those Twitter warriors. She got in a fight. Remember when she got in a fight with Lana Del Rey and Lana Del Rey was like, here's my address pull up. And I was like (laughs) shook, but she said the tea I could spill. uh, But at the end of the day, I think people can see it's clear. He's salty. He's a huge misogynist and has never been able to have a conversation with any woman in which he doesn't speak like a fortune cookie. (laughs) I'm sorry. I could totally, the fortune cookie part is it that, that sent me because that's not hard to imagine at all. Even though from the way he treats his wife to the way he made this statement, it's, it's just very clear that he sees women as commodities. Um, Is there anything else of import here? No. Okay. Apparently they did go their separate ways in 2015. I didn't even realize it was that long ago. I didn't realize that they did go their separate ways, but yeah, he kind of left her to flounder just sitting on her butt implants and not really knowing the next move. And you just never know behind the scenes of what goes on behind these music industry contracts and deals. So even though she's just so out of pocket and inappropriate, I can't say that I don't feel a little sorry for her. Cause I just, I just, the whole pattern of anyone plucking anyone out of obscurity and gassing them up and giving them big dreams and then watching them collapse, I just know that that is mental, that's just a recipe for some kind of mental illness and addiction. And it's just the situations that artists find themselves in. So I do have it in my heart to feel a little bit sorry for her. I do. And that's my good deed of the day because I'm probably going to be dragging people for the rest of the show. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, conservatives' obsession and obvious wet dream because they really cannot just leave her alone and get their head out of her ass. Um, She's been criticized and shamed in the Washington Times as, and it was an exclusive, exclusive self-declared socialist AOC splurges on high dollar hairdo. So apparently she spent nearly $300 on her hairdo at the last Tango Salon in Washington, D.C. Um, she shelled out $80 for a haircut and 180 for lowlights. 
I don't know what to tell you, but when I read this over with some black friends, we were like, oh, just $80 for a haircut? Oh, straight hair. It's easier. I mean, yes, because she is from the Bronx, like, I guess you could get that done for like $20, but she doesn't live in the Bronx right now. And cheap, like, blowouts and manicures is one of the only cheap things about New York City that we just have a lot of that. You can't get that anywhere else. Um, the article just went on and on, and it... And the, the absurdity, I mean, I thought it was an Onion article at first as I continued to read it because it said that she could have saved roughly $100 for the same hairstyle at the government-subsidized Capitol Hill Barbershop. How many women that don't have a fade do you know that get their hair cut at a barbershop? A barbershop is for barbering. What are you even on? Like, what, what, what's going on? Someone wrote this. Someone really wrote something and they they not only did not know how much women's hair costs and what would be considered expensive, they also don't even know what goes on at barbershops. Like I'm fascinated by people who get to do things. You just got to write this and have it published. Um, they, and they said that her high dollar hairdo stands in stark contrast to that of former Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Hmm. <sighs> A former senator from Alabama who is a regular customer at Senate Hair Care Services, which explains that the barbershop serves members of Congress and public and charges $20 for a men's cut. Isn't Jeff Sessions like the pedophile? Hold on. No, he's the one who endorsed Roy Moore, even though he also said he didn't disbelieve the women who submitted their sexual assault allegations. So, um, AOC doesn't want to get her hair cut like an 89,000 year old man. I don't, I don't see the issue, but you know, what is, I just have common sense, so I don't know. Okay, now to delve back into the Amber Geiger case. There are so many developments that are disheartening, heartbreaking, alarming. And, well, I was going to say I wish it could be over, but clearly it's not going to be over until police brutality is over and just a complete overhaul of our system, which needs to be dismantled and rebuilt. But first, I will start with a retraction of my own. I haven't seen this retraction go around uh, the internet yet, but it just speaks to the fact that like when something is viral, does it really ever get taken back? So the judge, Tammy Kemp, who the much maligned judge, Tammy Kemp, um, maligned by me as well as others, uh, who hugged the defendant, Amber Geiger, she had a chance to go on the Tamron Hall show and explain that hug. I'm not too satisfied with her explanation, but we can go into that after. But first, I just want to clarify that the bailiff who was accused of stroking Amber Geiger's hair. Uh, she was dragged through the internet, called a mammy and all sorts of derogatory names. She was searching her hair. Apparently it was a lunch break and Amber Geiger was not granted uh, sufficient bail from judge Tammy Kemp. So, and they did not have time to send Amber back to jail for the lunch break. So as judge Kemp explained, what happens is when you sit there in the courtroom throughout that recession, you have to get searched for weapons and they search you all over. Just like they search black women at the airport, they search Amber's hair. And so that is what she was doing. She was stroking her, sorry, I'm, I'm still saying it, searching her hair. And honestly, once you look at that clip in a different lens, you do see that it's not comforting. Like when people are stroking your hair to comfort you, they don't run their fingers all through it, flip it up the back. You know, it, it, it was more like she was looking for tracks than, than comfort. And so it's very alarming to myself and just how fast everybody, like, looks at one part of something, even if it's in a collective that's problematic. Like, the judge factually gave her a hug. She factually gave her a Bible and told her to read John 3.16. I mean, all those things happen. But that doesn't mean that it's cool that something else gets slipped in unquestioned and par becomes part of a narrative. And it it all speaks to the, how quickly we consume media nowadays, how quickly these headlines are turned out. 
And it just makes me feel better that I have been doing my podcast late because of like pneumonia and allergies and shit. Because that means that I am taking my due dil- I'm just kidding. I don't have a team behind me, so you know it is what it is. But it is just interesting that full on organizations that do have multiple ways of fact checking things. It's, it's like they get their information from this person who got their information from this person. So people are pretty much circulating the same clips. Like we have so many websites that just send you the same clip of another website. And if you've ever really like delved deep into a story before and hit that dead end, like I have where I really wanted to know something and I realized that all I was getting, especially about like celebrity news or something, sources say, friends say, someone they haven't seen in 35 years say, someone they sat next to on the bus one day said, like you know that it'll be just that one paragraph over and over and over again. I mean, just as an example, I opened an article that said Jared Leto was hurt and dismayed by how quickly the Joker movie, the Joker role was remade after his, his movie which was like five years ago. And I read the article and it said, the first thing it said at the top was Jared Leto has not made a public comment about this. And to this day, since two days ago, I still haven't found why it said how he felt about it and then said he didn't feel anything about it or that he hadn't said anything about it. I don't get it. People say anything. They There's no FDA for words. Like, you can just say things. So that was a lesson to myself to always just be a little more skeptical, even with things that seem like it supports something that's sensible that you might have observed before that you think you generally know where it's going, where it went. You would always be a little more skeptical. Um, so that said, Judge Tammy Kemp, um, she defended all of her actions. She said that I... What I see in the courtroom, I know that a defendant, uh, one act is not the total sum of a person. And that's true. I mean, that is true. I think a lot of us listening, I know myself included, we think about things like restorative justice. And I'm not, I don't know that I'm a full on prison abolitionist. I don't know. I'm sure there are some people that I think have probably a menace to society, but I'm sure it's way less than the people that are in jail. And I do think that I don't understand a system that doesn't rehabilitate people so that they can re-enter society successfully. That, that part has never made any sense to me. Like, are you trying to drive someone more crazy with this punishment so that when they come out, they are violent and hateful and can't connect with other humans and do the same kind of infractions that get them back? Or are you trying to... Like, yeah, it's very interesting, the line between punishment and teaching a lesson, because they're not the same thing. I think about that even with spanking. I'm like, did did you really need to hit me that hard? Or why is this, what will this red hand on my butt teach me? Will it teach me to sneak around? Or will, yes, that's, um, those are my real thoughts about spanking when I was little. Didn't happen a lot, but that's actually part of the problem. When you got popped, it, it was just because you, you you knew you did something. You acted up. like, And I'm pretty sure my parents were mad not thinking about the punishment part. But, you know, we'll set that there. Anyway, my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, anyway, yeah, I, you know, those are all those questions. So to hear Judge Kemp say, hey, I do this all day, all year. This is my life. I look at these defendants, I watch people who are getting sent away, and I know that there's more to one human being than the, this, the worst thing that they've done in their life. I'm not going to say that didn't affect me. It did affect me. It did affect me. Um, she said, Amber asked, can I have a hug? And she asked, she said, do you think God will forgive me? I don't, I don't, you know, how can, how can God forgive me if I don't forgive myself? Do you think my life can have any purpose? And Judge Kemp said, I didn't want to lose her. I didn't want to give up on her. And I think to I interpret that as saying that she sees people in the face of, a, of, you know, being convicted, going away from everything they know for a long time and that they're a suicide risk. And she wanted she said no one would have turned on a hug, turned on a hug from this woman at this time. I might have. I'm just, I'm, I might have, I'm saying that was my first thought was "Mm, some people would, but I don't know. Maybe you really would have had to be there. I mean, because as much as 
I did say, and I do think that Amber is racist and a jerk anyway because of the text that she sent. It, it, it is a little compelling that you already were sentenced and you're still asking these questions. I Do we think that someone is that calculating that they're like, well, my appeal's coming up, so I just have to make sure I continue to act remorseful now and ask the right questions? Or, I don't know, that's just such a moment of raw emotion, especially when it was highly probable that she would get off since she is a cop and that's what's happened before, that I don't know that I think she would have had the presence of mind to just keep, you know, acting if we were going to say that's what she was doing. So I don't know if someone's genuinely asking you, Hey, you punished me to 10 years in jail. Cool. You did that. You did what you have to do. Do you think I could ever be a worthwhile human being again? What are you going to say to them? Are you going to be like, no, that's, that is, that is a question that I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that it is okay to not know. I'm going to say that I don't know exactly what I would do. And maybe I, you know, and I don't know what I would do if I was a sibling of Botham Jean. And yeah, I think perhaps we could all do a little more not knowing and not telling people how to feel and how to act. I still feel similarly to the way I felt last week about the images that are created out of these events, I still feel like there's a way that the white woman who murdered this man doesn't have to be the full focus of everything. Much in the same way that even with the victims of police brutality, oftentimes we know their name and we don't know the name of the cop that killed them. I wish that the victim was honored a little bit more first and foremost, I wish that stories like the hair stroking hadn't spun out of control. And I wish that it doesn't just become a story of forgiveness because as we're going to get into in a moment, something similar happened again in Dallas, like today or yesterday, I think today. But before we get to that, um, so these other developments in the case are really disturbing. So the, the witness who testified that he walked in basically right after the shooting had happened he heard the scuffle and he saw you know amber looking terrified he has been murdered so this was joshua brown um who gave in a very touching emotional testimony uh as a neighbor to botham john about what he saw about hearing his neighbor sing gospel music and them getting noise complaints from the building which is just typical black people harassment fair um so yes on october 4th just Shortly, two days after testifying against Amber, he is murdered. Um, he has a minor criminal history that consists of things that white people do all the time without getting in trouble for that just in no way correlates with what purportedly happened to him. And so people are rightfully finding this extremely suspicious. His criminal background includes... Um, misdemeanor theft when he was like 19. So like, I literally personally know white girls who have stolen like thousands of dollars of merchandise from Sephora for fun. Like if you don't know, like there is a contingent of rich kids that steal things, um, for fun. I mean, they probably also have some sort of issues, but people do this. So again, like stealing is not, I'm the kind of goody two shoes that, I like wouldn't take like a a chocolate chip out of like a bulk section in the store. I thought I was going to hell, but that's just how Catholicism screwed me up. But people steal and a lot of times they don't get caught. But he got caught. So he went to 30 days in jail, which I think he pleaded out of. Um, then in 2015, he a search of his vehicle. So someone found him passed out in a car and which like, what does that mean? Sleep in your car? And a search turned up cocaine, marijuana, and an anti-anxiety drug. Again, this is like now and laters for suburban high schoolers. I don't know. Um, so then in six, 2016, he was sentenced for finding a small bag of cocaine 
in his wallet in a car. Again, how does your your car doesn't get searched this many times unless you're a black man? It just doesn't. Like, I'm sorry, people do cocaine. Like, I work in entertainment. No one I know who does cocaine has been arrested for cocaine. They, they you just don't. Like, it just people just it doesn't happen. People people do drugs. And I don't even ever hear them worry about the police. They just, you just do drugs. Um, yeah. So these things are like marijuana possession. Like he literally just got his car. Like police obviously stop men and black men in Texas a lot and search your cars. That's all I can say because yeah, I know people who have taken drugs like on planes to different countries, not for just like for their own personal use. And that is a confidence with which some people go around and know they're not going to be searched for stuff. Um, so then, so he, so basically the reason people think that he was murdered is because he was going to testify in a civil trial, a wrongful death lawsuit. And that possibly could implicate other officers who had helped Amber cover this up. And so they're alleging that he was, uh, shot by these three guys that drove 300 miles from Alexandria, Louisiana to Dallas in a rental car to rob him. I don't buy this. I don't think this is how robbers spend their time. I don't think this is how robbers spend their gas money. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me, and I don't know what to tell you. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. It just, it's it's not adding up. It's really, really sad. It just it made me really sad. He seemed like someone who's trying to do the right thing. He seemed very affected by this, um, and it just was heartbreaking to think that he would undergo something similar so soon after. So speaking of that horrible similarity, um, there was a woman today, she was killed by a police officer in her home for no reason, and this is 45 minutes from Dallas. This is in Fort Worth. So the city of Dallas and surrounding areas still reeling from everything that happened, total breakdown of trust between the police and the black community. I mean, if that can even be broken down more than it already typically is, and this is what happened. So she was shot by police responding to a welfare check on her. And this is not the first time this has happened, which is why as black people, part of the reason we feel like the police are weaponized against us is because we know it's not even safe for us to call the police when we need something helpful. So it's just like a privilege. Like we, when we see black, white people being like, I'm going to call the cops. I'll call the cops for this. I want to let them know this. Like it's, it's unthinkable to us because this is the kind of stuff that happens. It shouldn't happen, but I mean, and it's like, you know, it's just outrageous. So a neighbor called a non-emergency hotline at 2 a.m. last night uh, saying that he was concerned about an open door at the woman's residence and wanted to make sure she was okay. This is according to a statement from the Fort Worth Police Department. Officers arrived at 2.25 a.m. and after seeing the open door, they walked around the perimeter of the residence. The department said that while doing so, officers saw a person inside standing near a window. Perceiving a threat, the officer drew his weapon and fired one shot, striking the person inside the residence, which I don't, I wish they wouldn't add things like perceiving a threat. You don't get to interpret stupid. You don't get to add the reason. You just should just say it how it happened. He saw someone inside the window of a house that they knew someone lived in because they were sent there to check on the person that lived there. And he shot the person inside the house. He didn't knock to say, is everything okay? Hi, miss. Hey, we're calling for a welfare check. And she could have said, yeah, my door is open because my fire alarm keeps going off and I'm tr- I burned something and I'm trying to air it out because that's what happens. That's what it would be in my house. Or I was cleaning with bleach that I didn't dilute and I opened the door that like literally all things that have happened that are reasons I would have the door open at weird times. And most people in the South have screen doors anyway. So in the bedroom, that person was, I won't want to mispronounce her name, um, a Tatiana Jefferson. Um, they entered the home and began pre- 
providing emergency aid, but the woman was pronounced dead at the scene. And so there was body cam footage showing what happened, and it, and it shows the two officers walking around the outside of the home, looking into screen doors mo- before walking into the backyard, moving towards a closed window on the first floor, and one of the officers points a flashlight before drawing his weapon. Put your hands up, show me your hands, before firing a shot, firing a shot less than a second later. And at no point do they uh, clearly identify themselves as police officers. I don't... I I don't understand. Like, I really want to understand this. It Because there's different parts of it, right? There's... First of all, this is the seventh local police shooting involving a civilian since June 1st. The black residents of Fort Worth are just saying, like I said, they cannot call the police for assistance. You can't do it. If you call the police because you need something, they're going to come and kill you. I'm actually really upset by this. I mean, of course, I don't even know why I'm apologizing. It's just hard because you read so many things like this every day and how do you let them not get to you? But I'm trying to, the intersection between racism, foolishness, incompetence, it's a lot of different things in our country. We have to have police officers that are smarter. They just have to be smarter than this. There has to be some sort of test. It can't be a job that everyone who just likes power and wants a pension jumps into. I've said it before, I'll say it again, a police officer, doctor, and teacher should be like the exclusive elite, elite professions in this country. They're really hard to get um, because I'm not even going to go over the story about the teacher who had a fender bender in the parking lot that was her fault and told the black parent in the parking lot that he should go back to a Section 8 housing, nigger, you're just trying to get something out of me, that's why you want to have an insurance claim on my car. He was like, um, no. He's like, she was like, you think I have, look like I have money because I'm white? And he's like, no, actually I don't. You don't, you don't look that way at all. And you're just living section eight housing. He's like, well, I make six section eight figures. I make eight figures. Uh, it was just so bizarre, but yeah, that's a teacher. This is what I'm saying. Crazy people get into these jobs or the teacher that called the kid, um, she, there was a bully, a kid that was bullying kids in fourth grade and the principal called him to the office and said, how would you like it if I called you a nigger? <laughs> it's like, what? Um, that's how we're teaching not to bully. Okay. So these are people, these people in positions of power. So that is just to say that I, something, what do we do? What do you guys say? Is this just who's in our country or is there a way to weed people out? I don't know. I would love to hear some replies about what you think about that. But anyway, um, yeah, it's it's just like there's the race part, but there's also the logic part. I think the race part is what makes people think that black lives are just you. They obviously think they're expendable. You just they do. They're not treated with the type of care, and this kind of recklessness convinces that you do not. You in your soul, whether you intend to kill someone on your just regular night out on your job or not, something in you is loosening your all your ability to use other tactics and heightening the level of danger that you perceive by a woman inside your home. But the other part of me is just like, what what was what transpired on the non-emergency hotline call about a welfare check? Someone's door open. That means anything. That means she could have like gone inside and passed out. It's a welfare check. It's to check on the person that lives there. They knew that someone lived there. They just were supposed to check on that person. How do you end up lurking around the house like a SWAT team and killing the person that lives inside the house that you went to check on? I'm struggling so hard because these are the incidents that are more than, you know, I'm not saying that when there's a traffic stop and all this other bullshit or you think someone did something wrong and they're running away from you, like obviously execution, you know, is not even 
allowed in some states. So the idea that it ever ends up into some sort of execution because you ran away and you might look suspicious and, oh, well, whatever happens, happens when you run away, you might die. That's crazy. But I'm saying that you weren't even in any way called because of a crime being committed. You were being called to check on her. How then would you ever feel comfortable shooting at any person in the house without confirming their identity from outside? Like you didn't check anything. Who are the police? Who are the police? I am less scared of things on the day to day than this. I walk, have walked around. I've lived in some dangerous neighborhoods and I've lived as I've lived around the country and I walk around with a crazy face. I walk around with a woman as a woman late at night. I've talked to myself before. I've been, I started acting strange. So dudes that I knew were about to mess with me would have messed with me. I, I just think the average person has survival tactics more than I'll just shoot anyone at any time. I don't understand it. It's just what is it like, and that's why I think we just can't have guns. We can't have them. I don't care about your hunting. I don't care about your fishing. We can't have them. You don't get to do that. It's you don't get to play uh, duck hunters. It does. It really doesn't matter to me that you like shooting wildlife. You like we really need to have farmers that need to kill wild uh, livestock occasionally for health purposes or for butchering or whatever. Like they need a special license, and no one else should have guns. That's it. They just all need to go. They need to go. This is is crazy. So, um, there's nothing else I can say about that. I don't, like I said, it just defies logic. So this is just a crazy thing to keep happening in Dallas. My, my younger sister lives in Dallas and it's like freaking me out. She really likes living there and I've been there. It's a nice city. It's on the outside, but this is not, this is, and I've been to Fort Worth and it's, it was charming, cute town, I don't understand. This is this is crazy. So we'll see how that story develops. Okay, this is a story that is slightly lighter than... Um, it's not slightly lighter. It's a lot lighter than some of what's been covered. So I don't usually like to go into like theater gossip since I work in theater and I don't want to be talking shit about my peers, but... This happened in London, so I'm happy to dive in. Um, there was a tour of The Color Purple, uh, and there was British actress who's a Nigerian girl, Oluwasei Omuba, not my ethnic group. Don't at me about the pronunciation. She was going to play this at, well, it wasn't up towards the revival, Lester Curve at Birmingham Hippodrome's revival of the Acclaim show. And um, she was going to play the role of Celie, but she doesn't like the gays, which is a conflict of interest. Um, yeah, she got the lead role, and then she was put on blast by another actor for a 2014 social media post, which was not that long ago. I don't want to hear about her views of change, also they haven't. <laughs> like, uh, And they were like, um, you literally said that people should were not born gay and said that homosexuality was a sin um legal but it wasn't right why do you want to play this role and so then she lost her job which happens i i'm not sure what legal recourse she has because i don't know what the laws are in london Obviously, this is what is being litigated right now in the United States, whether we have the right to discriminate against people for their sexuality. Um, I do know that when I was doing the National Tour Book of Mormon, we had, you know, they told us to be careful about our social media. Like, don't say dumb shit because you represent a huge franchise. And if you represent us in a bad light, we will fire you. So I don't think it's weird that she was fired for being anti-gay while playing the most famous lesbian in literature, it's just kind of, kind of makes sense to me. So Alice Walker wrote a really beautiful, interesting letter that I'm going to read because I actually didn't even know this, which is crazy because I've played this role before. Um, she said, Celie, the character she would have played, is based on the life of my grandmother, Rachel, a kind and loving woman, brutally abused by my grandfather and whoever was in reality the father of her children, offspring none of the family ever saw. The Thankfully, after these births and the disappearance of her children, she was barren. 
It is safe to say after a frightful life serving and obeying abusive men who raped in place of making love, my grandmother, like Celie, was not attracted to men. She was, in fact, very drawn to my grandfather's lover, a beautiful woman who was kind to her, the only grown person who ever seemed to notice how remarkable and creative she was. I'm about to cry because, like, that, the show is so... Uh, it's just such a beautiful sh- book and show, and I'm just, like, ima- thinking of the songs and, like, the, the way the relationship develops. It's just so... It's, it's just really special. Um... In uh, whoever seemed to notice how remarkable and creative she was in giving Celie the love of this woman in every way love can be expressed. I was clear in my intention to demonstrate that she too, like all of us deserved to be seen, appreciated and deeply loved by someone who saw her as whole and worthy because I believe and know that sexual love can be extraordinarily holy. Ain't that the truth? And don't we wish we had more? of it, whoever might be engaging in it. I felt I had been able to return a blessing of love to a grandmother who had always offered only blessing and love when I was a child to me. In much of my work, I encourage the reader to question everything. I have been urging a questioning and reconsideration of all the so-called holy books for over 40 years. The Bible, like the Quran, the Talmud, and others that claim to teach the best way for people to live, must be interrogated, questioned, and respectfully deconstructed. Love, however it may be expressed, is to be honored and welcomed into the light of our common survival as a consciously human race. For a short introduction of what I teach in this regard, please go see an essay. The only reason you want to go to heaven is you've been driven out of your mind, off your land, and out of your lover's arms. I'm going to be reading that next after I finish editing this. Playing the role of Celie while not believing in her right to be loved or to express her love in any way she chooses, chooses would be a betrayal of women's right to be free. As an elder, I urge all of us to think carefully about what I'm saying, even as you, Oluwasei Omuba, sue the theater con- company for avoiding your contract. This is just an episode in your life. Your life, your work, your growth will continue in the real world, a world we must make safe for women, children, female, and male, and the greatest freedom of all is the freedom to be your authentic self. I suspect that Omuba and others of her ilk would say, but hating gay people is my authentic self. And it's not. You can have a belief, but you're like yourself can't be a negation of what other people do. I don't really know how to phrase it. It's like, I think it just comes to worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. If you don't know, when I, when I say that, I'm referring that to that meme about that, that three-year-old girl that said, I get, like she told her dad, I can put on my seatbelt by myself. Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself about her car seat. You, I think being your authentic self has to do with the things that pertain to you and it doesn't have to do with controlling other people. So that is a difference uh, when we talk about t- tolerance, which even though I hate that word, and versus other people who believe in like everyone around them has to do the same thing that they're doing to feel good. You can't that you can't control what other people are doing. So I also think she left her some tea when she said, this is just an episode in your life. You're 25. Don't sue people and ruin your career about the right to be a homophobe. It doesn't make sense because you work in theater, which is like 98% gay. It, it doesn't make sense. It, it does. I've never understood people who are, you know, homophobic and decided to pursue theater. It's like if you were in the KKK and you decided to go to Howard and be homecoming queen. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. So I really think Alice said it beautifully and she didn't kind of go for the personal shade uh, that she could have. And she just kind of left a gem of knowledge for this 25 year old. Like if you don't understand what's in this let me tell you, it's about my real grandmother, real person who I love down. So not only are you not going to insult anyone that's ever been with a woman, including my grandmother, you need to understand, you know, and then not to say that all, you know, people, women who are attracted to women come to out of a place of abuse. That was Celie's story and that was her grandmother's story. But just to say that this is a story about a human experience. It was transformative. It was a love that transformed her. You're an asshole and you're making a bad decision for your future. And please reconsider because whatever money you get is not going to sustain you for the rest of your life. It's going to be less than the money that you would make if you shut your mouth when it comes to voicing bad opinions and only open your vocal cords 
for good singing because you probably are a good singer if you got that role, although sometimes the musical theater between London and U.S. can be a little uneven um, with Cynthia Erivo being an exception to that. But uh, I'm not being shady. Even British people tell you that. We just kind of focus on different things in the way we approach theater, and there are more musicals here. But I'm assuming that she's fantastic. So stop throwing your life gifts away over nonsense. But I mean, again, if this is a hill you want to die on, then I'm not your mom. Go ahead. So that was crazy. I didn't think Alice Walker was going to actually comment. I didn't think she was going to get in that fray. But last time I read up on this, that girl wasn't suing. So she's really sticking. She's really uh, she's she's mad as hell. She's not going to take it anymore. But I just don't know what what you're going to say. Like you don't. Your, your beliefs cannot comply with that production. You, you're, you're not a good representative for the production. It seems kind of simple, but I don't know. I don't know their laws. Like I said, I'm not a barrister. Okay, so before I uh, give you a little snap of the discussion that I had on my video that will be released later this week, I wanted to just leave you with more intensely racist statements from our president. And this is just stuff that you don't always know unless you're watching other stations. Cause he, another thing that we need to know is that he's been campaigning this whole time. He never stopped and he never stops fomenting rage and hatred for people of color in these crowds. And if you are only watching like, the liberal media, you wouldn't necessarily follow this stuff because in some ways we still do that stuff we did that got us where we are now. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, his stump speeches. And it's like, no, it actually matters. And it's terrifying. So he went to Minnesota to personally antagonize Ilan Omar, call her a, an America-hating socialist. And then he said, he not only went for her, he went for her whole country of origin. And said they shouldn't be here. He told the crowds, as you know, for many years, leaders in Washington brought large numbers of refugees to your state from Somalia without considering the impact on schools and communities and taxpayers. Trump said, as some in the crowd jeered, adding, you should be able to decide what is best for your own cities and for your own neighborhoods. And that's what you have the right to do now. And believe me, no other president will be doing that. Well, you heard it hot off the press, folks. You can decide what flavor of brown people are allowed in your neighborhood, if any. It's up to you. Just tell your local representative that you don't like spicy food and they won't send any brown people to your neighborhood. <laughs> like, what? I don't understand what's going on. Um, yeah, it's just so blatant that you just get numb and you're like, is this really happening? And then the lines of what's okay just keep moving because you have people that are like, well, it's not racial. He just meant Somalians and he just meant this, but I know it's all racial. It's all racist. And like, what is the impact of immigrants on schools and stuff like that? I mean, there's been so many studies showing that immigrants like bolster the community and open businesses and honestly break less laws than people that live here because they appreciate coming here from whatever circumstances they came from, especially if they're a refugee and they don't want, you know, they came to have a better life, literally. So it's, it's just propaganda, but it's also tied in with so many pernicious ideas. Like if you let the wrong people into your neighborhood, they're going to bring the quality down. I mean, he's advocating for segregation it's wild. And that's all I have to say about that because you're going to hear a little bit more coverage of this type of thing in the clip. So I hope you enjoyed the show. After I play for you the little sample, we just going to be out. And I will see you guys next week on the podcast. But again, stay tuned for more information about how these videos are going to be released, where you can find them, and just like what we're doing here with the video part of Cake and Kombucha cake and kombucha the show i don't know what do you guys want to see let me know so let me start off by saying that i am not an influencer in that sense but if you want to send me anything free 
I will place my info down below. I just had this idea that we could just like try on some lipstick together and talk about the things. I'm gonna do an unboxing. This is a box. It's a cardboard box, as you can see. Um, it's really nicely done. It's three-dimensional. Um, you can see that it's got a front, a back, and then it's got these sides here. Um, there's a nice barcode. I assume that's something that they scan when they're trying to get it to where it needs to go. This is honeycomb. Okay. This is getting me um, powder donut realness. I will have to go in with a, definitely with a pencil. This is a tiny fraction. What's infuriating is like pretending, you know, this will represent everybody. It's clearly, as you point out, not and, true. And it doesn't. And the very scary thing to me is that I have a lot of conservative followers, scary. and there are some people that feel so uncomfortable by what they saw, <gasps> and they think that that's all of us, You're and I have to say no, that it's not. Um, when it comes to Beto and the um, revoking the tax-exempt status from churches, I am a gay man. I am married. Uh, I love my husband. And if we couldn't find a church that wanted to perform our marriage, we would just find another church. Like, what's actually going on? Um, you, first of all, have enormous, enormous amounts of, of NC45 foundation on. I don't understand who you let... Just shellac your face with Mac like that. You look like like a red clay dirt road. Let's play Mad Libs and replace things. Like If they told me that I could not live in this neighborhood, I would just live somewhere else. I don't need the government to tell me where, where I cannot. You sound fuck. Yes, we do. We need the government to tell people they can't discriminate against people. You literally would be a slave still if that hadn't happened. Those aren't your undertones, sis. Secondly... Cake and Kombucha is produced and hosted by actress, writer, and singer Kelechi Azia. It features music by the talented Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, check out MelanieJBCharles.com. <laughs>